Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And joining us now, David Baldacci, who last was on the show, I think, a couple of years ago. I love having David on. David, welcome to the show. You've only written 48 novels. You're clearly a slacker. I mean, really, David. I mean, what do you do when you're, you know, when you're just not watching television all day? And uh, David, like me, is an attorney who went on to better things, other things. And in this case, being a best-selling, just a terrifically fabulous page-turner, author of authors. His latest is called The Edge. It's the second book in his 620 Man series. Uh, he's number one, number one all the time. David Baldacci, hi, and welcome back to the show. Hi. Hey, it's great to be back. So, I mean, really, you know what I always want to hear about, and I can't hear about it enough because it's inspirational to me. I want to know your routine in the morning. I want to know what you do to get all these books written, how you discipline yourself to do it. Yeah, I, it's a little bit easier for me just because I, I love doing it. I mean, it's not a job or a hobby. It's not something I dread looking forward to. Where I have to put my hours in every day. I wake up already enthused about writing. I might have been dreaming about it overnight, and I sit down. And I don't have a set schedule of hours or days or pages that I count or words. I just write until the tank is empty every day. Or some days I don't write at all because I haven't really thought about it enough. It's not crystallized. I take a walk, I read some books, I think about things, I go over some notes, um, but I keep building the story. And I'm always immersed in it. It's never like apart from me. I'm always in it, working on it in the trenches. Um, so every day for me is different. Um, and, you know, not having a set schedule, I think, is a good thing. I'm a planes, trains, and automobiles kind of guy. I don't leave the perfect place to ride. I ride on planes, I ride on trains, I ride really? in cars, I ride in parking lots. Oh. I'm a little Greek. Yeah, I have a little Greek restaurant near my office in Virginia, and I go there so often, sit in the back and write my stories. They put a plaque on the wall that says uh, David Baldacci's remote, remote office. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. Yeah. And are they keeping you steeped in souvlaki and moussaka along the way? Are they giving you at least the good food? Oh, they, it's it's great food. I've written about them in a couple of magazines. People come there all the time to see where I work and uh, and see if I'm going to be there that day or sit at my table and try to get inspired. So, But I say that to say that, you know, if you're in the perfect place in your head, 
uh, you can write anywhere. You can write in the, in the middle of a thousand people. It doesn't really matter. Are you writing on a laptop? Are you writing longhand? Both. <clears throat> I, I start out books sometimes longhand in notebooks, and I just write it out in cursive. Sometimes I'll compose on my computer. I at the end, when I finish the first draft, I print it all out, and I edit always longhand. I tell people I think better in cursive. Interesting. So that's the way I do that. Interesting. You edit in longhand. So you're printing out the physical page, and you're looking yep. at it as a reader would look at it, and then you're making notes in longhand to change it. Yeah, I like to do it that way. I like I love marginalia. So. That's something. And when you're presenting a book to your um to your, I don't know if you're doing it with your agent or you're working directly with an editor now. Is it, is it right now because of who you are in the industry? Do you just submit the book or are you submitting a chapter at a time so that your editor is editing as you go? No, typically what I'll do is um, I might send them the first hundred pages and they can ruminate on that and think about that and give me some feedback. And then um, probably the next thing they're going to get after that is the first draft. And then they'll read it, and we'll go over that and, and talk about it. And they'll do an editorial letter and have comments and things like that. And I'll I'll work through that. And um, it's a very you know it's a symbiotic relationship. It's one of trust. My age, my editor, my publisher actually left to become an agent a number of years ago. And I I told my publisher I'm too old to have another editor, so you're just going to pay him to continue to edit me. And so that's what they do. <laughs> that's nice. Who's your publisher, David Baldacci? Who's your publisher? It's it's uh, Grand Central. They used to be Time Warner. Mm. Um, so, you know, Time Warner, Little Brown. So it's called Grand Central is my publisher. They couldn't keep the Warner name after they sold the business. So um, Grand Central is my publisher. They're part of the uh, shit uh, publishing family. And so we're chatting with David Baldacci. And David, is your goal to do one novel a year or more than one novel a year? Well, for the last 15 years, I've done two novels a year, one in the spring and one in the fall, and I occasionally do will do three novels like I did last year just because one was an anomaly. It was called The 620 Man, which is actually the first novel in the, in the series of The Edge is part of. I just had an idea for a book, and I wrote it really fast and sent it out, and the publisher was quite happy and you know it was published at number one and sold a lot of copies and but I, I just write about things that interest me fascinate me um, and sometimes something hits me and I just sit down and I have to write it so I do and who's the 620 man so Travis Devine is a former army ranger and the 620 um, comes from the train he would take in from Westchester to New York mm -hmm. after he left the army under a black cloud he became an analyst on Wall Street. He was figured that was his penance because he hates all of that stuff. So it's like his, you know, how he's serving his prison time for what happened in the Army. And um, he's a former Army Ranger, has an MBA. He got involved in a murder mystery in New York City and had to resolve that. And then a guy came to him who runs this clandestine agency under Homeland Security and said, we know what happened in the Army, and I'll give you a choice. You can either go spend the rest of your life at Fort Leavenworth in the prison there, or you can come and work for me. So he decided, well, I'll come and work for you. So in the edge, um, he gets dropped in a little town on the coast of Maine, in Putnam, where a CIA agent has been murdered. And she's from that town. So he goes up there and he has to figure out, was she killed because of her CIA background? And did they torture her? Did they learn secrets that are going to affect this country's national security? Or was she killed because of something having to do with her hometown? Um, so he has to interview people, work with the police, go through all the dark secrets of this little town on the on the coast of Maine in the middle of winter when it's bitter and cold and raw, and figure out what the truth is. And did you visit Putnam, Maine yourself, David? 
Well, I've been all over Maine. My cousin John was the governor of Maine for a couple of terms, um, and I've been from the south, south, southern tip of Maine all the way to the northern tip on the Canadian border. And um, Putnam is a fictional town. I actually named it after the, uh, the people. When we, were, we first started going there for summer, uh, for spring vacations and summer vacations. My kids were little. We rented from a family called the Putnams. So I thought, that sounds like a cool town. So I made it Putnam, Maine. Because <laughs> we have a Putnam, Connecticut. So I thought maybe, you know, there was one up in Maine. It's a very New England town sounding name. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It is a very New England town, but I made sure there wasn't a Putnam because I wrote about a real town and I put the mailbox on the wrong corner of the street. People would write me and tell me. I love it. So you fictionalize the town. What I what I always find fascinating about the really great thriller authors, and you're one of them, David Baldacci, is the drilling is the detail that you as the author, as the omniscient voice, seem like you've really been in the CIA. You've really been a police detective. You know what I mean? Like the immediacy yep. and the detail. How do you get that? Where do you where do you get that from? Who do you get that from? No, so you really you just become a journalist at that point. When I was when I was a lawyer, you know, my job was to figure out you know the facts, and so I would go in and I would talk to people, and interview witnesses, and depose people, and learn as much as I possibly could. So here, what I do, <clears throat> if I need to know about the CIA, then I'll call around until I find somebody who's willing to talk to me, and I'll go in and talk to them, and get another name from them, and talk to another person, and maybe go to a facility if they will allow me to do that. Um, the same with I've gone on ride-alongs and walks along with police officers. I've gone to, you know, the morgue for autopsies. Uh, I've gone to military installations and done some of the training that soldiers do there. I've done as much as I possibly could to get a real authentic feel for what they do. Listen, which is a really important attribute for a writer because you have to take in this information and listen to what people do with their lives. And then try to put that in, in the story in a way that's informative, but doesn't. it's not so overwhelming that it halts the flow of the story. I'm not writing a textbook. I'm writing a novel. So for me to understand that material really well allows me to put it into the story in a way that doesn't interrupt the story flow. I could do it in a shorthand way, in a very economic way, so that people get the information they need to follow the story, but it doesn't blunt the force of the story. We're chatting with David Baldacci. David... Do you think if somebody who is listening wants to write a novel that it's important they take some formal education in writing and storytelling? In other words, do you think that there is a craft of storytelling that can be taught from one person to another? Oh, I, I think there certainly is. I mean, first of all, you have to have that sort of that belly drive. You have to, well, why do you want to write a story? If it's you want to write a story because you're tired of your day job and you want to sell the movie rights over the weekend, that's probably not a good reason to want to be a novelist. But if you enjoy telling stories, you like living 
day-to-day with words in your head and you want to create characters and things like that, then that's a good thing. So you, then you can take – I never took any creative writing courses. I was a political science major, so all I did in college was I read a lot and I wrote a lot. Um, and I did the same thing in law school. And I've always been intrigued by the power of words. Um, so, yes, there are definitely I, – I did a master class online. You could do a, take a master class. It's been really successful. I didn't know if anybody would be interested, but over 100,000 people have taken this master class because I really made it practical advice, being enthusiastic and supportive, but also realistic. And I take you through every slot of how to build characters, how to build stories, how to develop words and plots. And also I take you to the business side of the publishing, which is very important as well. And being a lawyer, that was very important for me. Um, so there there definitely are things you can do to become a better writer, a more informed writer. But at the end of the day, you have to, you have to, you have to ask yourself, why do you want to be a writer? And the answer to that question is very important. David Baldacci, have you yourself taken your novels and turned them into scripts, screenplays, uh, teleplays, anything like that? Yeah, I have. I've adapted one of mine, Wish You Well, for a feature film. Um, I've worked on other scripts with other writers who have turned some of my stuff into films and television series. I have three series in development now. Um, I sold the 620 Man series to Netflix, and I sold my Amos Decker series and my Atlee Pine series to to Amazon Studios. They all have showrunners and writers attached, and they're all working full board to turn those into movies and TV series. And I've worked, I've worked with the writers on those. I'm not going to be writing the series, but I consult with them. I talk to them about my motivation for the characters, where I see the vision of these characters going. They have questions about the characters. Then I, I work with them and deal with them. So it's a very collaborative affair. And do you have any say over casting? I have input on, on all all elements of it. But my here's my golden rule, and it served me really well, and I tell other writers the same thing. You never want to have so much control over a film or television series such that if it fails, they can blame you. Ah, that's very intelligent. That's like when I was yeah. pregnant and I told my boss I was so, I had such a shiny face. I said, I'm pregnant. He said to me, let me give you a little advice. Don't take the credit and don't take the blame. I'll never forget he said that. It <laughs> was, was my first baby in my belly. He just, I'll never forget he told that to me. Don't take the credit. It's, it stood me well, David Baldacci, let me tell you. I don't take the credit or the blame. That's it. Are you a dad, by the way? Are you a dad? I am. Yeah. I am a dad. Yeah, I yeah. have two grown kids. Yeah, wow. Well, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I just want to give you an opportunity. I don't know if you're going to go there, but you're such an influential figure, and you have a lot to say in your novels, and you have a lot to say about the human condition, but also, also justice. That, that's why I like reading your books, because there's a moral compass there. You're trying to, sure you're trying to do justice, and I'm a lawyer, too. You know, I'm, I'm a judge, yes. and I'm trying to do justice every day. I'm wondering, as we look up and see what's going on in the world, and particularly since the advent of the Middle East War, is, is that going to be a theme that you return to? Do you have feelings about that right now? Just curious. There's enormous turmoil um, across uh, the world. You know, we have a lot of it going on in this country now where, you know, we have book bannings and dialing back. You know, I thought rights that have been enshrined have now been turned back. And um, it's like one Supreme Court giveth, one Supreme Court taketh away. So I'm I'm open for anything um, in my life because I think that books have changed the world. Books 
will continue to change the world. I mean, I grew up in rich, the old capital of Confederacy in the 60s, in the middle of Jim Crow. I could have turned out a very different way and a very different human being. Books and libraries saved my life um, because I was able to see the entire world through books, and it made me very empathetic to the human condition, uh, whereas I could have grown up with a very hardened soul. Um, so I won't say no to any subject matter to write about it. I think it's important and it can affect people in a positive way. David Baldacci, the newest book is The Edge. It's going to, I promise you, um, if you haven't read David Baldacci before, pick up The Edge, read that, and then you're going to read everything else he's written because he's really one of our best. Uh, I love your books, David, and uh, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Good luck with this and all of them. Thank you very much. Pleasure. More of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stay tuned. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and as always feel free to contact me at lisa@lisawexler.com. At 